listener production. Okay, here we go. He is ice cool in moments like this. Oh, the big fella runs back into heavy traffic. Look at him go! Coming up on Footy Talk today, I'm James Graham, joined as always by Greg Inglis and Connor Watson. What have we got on the show today, Greg? Uh, yeah, well, I'll be talking about the big win that Sharks had over the Dragons last night. And I'll be talking about player transfers and what it's like changing clubs. And finishing up, we've got some questions from you guys, our fans. Hello and welcome everybody to Footy Talk, a listener podcast. I'm James Graham and joined by Connor Watson. How are you doing, Connor? I'm good, James. How are you? I'm very good. Also, GI, thanks for joining us again. Yes, yes. I had a um, family emergency last week, so I had to duck off home. But everything's all good. Pops on on the men. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's just getting that age now and then the matches slowly creeping on pretty, pretty quickly. So I had my kids down for school holidays, so I took them up there, see the grandparents. So it was good. Nice. Uh, on to all football matters. Last night, the Sharks absolutely pumped the Dragons 52 points to 16. What do you guys make of that? And we'll get into the Sharks in a moment, but where do the Dragons go? It's been a horrendous season. Yeah, it has. It's just getting worse and worse for them down there. It, like a, at one point last night watching the game when I think Terrell Sloan scored, I thought maybe they're a chance of actually winning. And then next thing you know, I looked back at the footy and then the space of 10 minutes, the Sharks had scored like four or five tries. But yeah, they were in some great form last night. It was good to see Big Siffer in the centres really like show some of that dominant form that, that he showed last year. And yeah, you know, it's tough. Like they're obviously gone through year from hell, you know, the Dragons. Like things have just gotten worse and worse. And yeah, I don't know where they go to from here. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for them, you know, over the next couple of weeks and to sort of try and finish the year. You know, coaches moved on and, you know, when you have an interim coach sort of in a sense as a player, you can feel like you, you the club's put up the white flag. So, yeah, I don't know. Where do you think they go, Greggy? Yeah, I'm not too sure where, where they'll go from here. Throughout the season, they've shown parts and glimpses of the f- brand of footy they can play. We keep talking about it throughout the season. they got the squad. they got the players. It's just like those little key efforts – that just let them down, you know, staying in the game for 80 minutes instead of staying in the game for 15 minutes in, you know, here and there. And then only a few players stick their hand up to play. I seen the interview that Jack DeVellin did last night and you can hear and you can sense in him the disappointment of that game and, you know, probably frustration where it's been for the last couple of weeks. But, you know, for the Dragons, all they can do now is go back and think about this week. Sharks dominated them, you know, from that second half. But I was like, you kind of watched the the first or probably the last 10 minutes of that first half and I was like, oh, Dragons might come out here and give them a go. But, yeah, Sharks were just too good on the night. Mm, that second half, they were just too good. You know, they've probably at a point now where they just need to try and enjoy their footy, hey, because it's all you can do. Well, initially, kind of when the pressure was off and, and Griffin was moved on, that immediate response... They had a, a really good performance and Beat a last-minute victory against the Roosters. And you kind of thought, oh, well, we're going to see an exciting brand of football here. Like, once we see plenty of teams that when a, when a coach gets moved on, the pressure uh, valve gets released that little bit and the whole joint just relaxes. 
and then they can play a brand of football. But in yesterday's game, like I thought they actually started really well. Blake Glory off the kickoff absolutely belted Hamlin Welle. It was one of the shots of the season. He was he didn't come back on. He finished his first stint, but he didn't come back on. And then just before half time, they were repelling the sharks, repelling the sharks, repelling the sharks, and they conceded just before half time. And I think honestly, after that, it, they they almost gave up. I know Sloan had that moment where he scored, but that was a a lucky try from a, a ball they'd allowed to bounce. But I think for the Dragons, that does um, Flanagan, sorry, need to to come in and address the group now and start saying what he what he wants to see. I, yeah, well, that's because otherwise a tough the, one. the next two months it's going to be you're just going to be stood behind your try line for for two months, just yeah. counting down, yeah, until it's finished. Just count down the weeks until you know finals footy kicks in. I'm not too sure. That's actually not a bad idea. Obviously, he has to be let go by by Manly over there. So yeah, that's just saying what he wants to see. What, yeah, what, what, what does he actually mm. want to see from this group? Well, like I said, I don't actually don't mind that, Jimmy. You know, him going down there and or he sends messages and that down. Either way, but he yeah, he even needs to jump on the front foot, front foot now and let him know what the standards and what to expect throughout the preseason from day one when he arrives and. You know, with all that saga going on, there's no doubt it's a distraction down there with, you know, with the Ben Hunt thing. But that's actually a good point. Like, does Flano send messages down to him while he's at? I reckon he'd have to do it individually, hey, because Manly wouldn't let him no. address the group. Like, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure the group, maybe like key messages. You'd be running, and, wanting to just ring the boys and be like, I want to see this, this, and this yeah. from you. They, they've, got, they've got to show. A, a bit more resolve and a bit more pride in, in the jersey. Like some of the, the the shark spine just had an absolute day out. They were in total control, and try, a lot of the tries that they scored were just through simple block plays, block for block mm. for block. And they'd hit an edge back row and they'd score. And it just and seemed it, like they were allowed to play. Yeah, there's no just, pressure on yeah. the sharks' mm. halves yesterday. Oh, no. Watching, no, like, they from, just dancing and mm. yeah. from the um, dragons' defense, it's like. <laughs> Yeah. Oh well, they we're back down here in our half now. We'll just let them yeah. go and we'll get our get our rest. But it's a difficult predicament for them to be in when you've got your your captain that has clearly expressed his desire to leave. But then there seems to be a bit of a leadership void because there was talk of do we take the captaincy off Ben Hunt? But it's like, well, who'd you give it to? Like if you look at their their team, they won seventeen yesterday. You're like, who's who's the leader? Like you know, Jack DeBellin stands up each and every week. But last time he was murmured to be captain, there was outrage in the media. Mm. Probably Blake Laurie is one of the, the the young leaders, but there does seem to be a bit of a leadership void there. I don't, I don't know whether you go, you know, you, you look to develop um, Sullivan as a leader and perhaps give give him a, a bit of a role there. I'm not too sure, but if the Dragons don't change some things, it's going to be a long couple of months. But onto the Sharks, great win for them. They had a awful time playing down in... Melbourne, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. they've bounced back from that with some convincing victories against the Bulldogs and the Dragons. But the question mark around the Sharks is their form against top eight teams. So currently, they've played six, they've won one and lost five. Bottom eight teams, they've won eight and lost one. And I think it was a not too dissimilar sort of record last year, which propelled them into yep. second place. Like, yeah. What do you think they do? So I've I've looked at their their sort of run home. They're really unfortunate. They've already had their three buys as well, which isn't going to help. I think the buy schedule is something that NRL really need to look at. The fact that some teams have already had three 
and some teams have only had one clearly yeah. advantages so the Broncos for instance they still got two up their sleeve that's massive advantage to the Broncos but the Sharks play the Warriors away the Panthers away Souths in Perth the Cowboys away and the Raiders at home uh, in the last game they're the top eight teams so I think they've got to look to earmark a couple of those away trips to get victories because they're going to have to go away Yeah, because I can't I, I don't know if they'll finish top four well, who they have in the first two weeks? Of the because they got knocked out straight sets. One Cowboys, at back, Cowboys, and South, and South, and, and then South. South yeah, yeah. That's correct. Showed last night that they do have the capability of playing that brand of footy. Whether or not they'll be in the top four, they got to win those away games. Those away games are, are the important ones that they got to win. They can't just keep on relying on points bet stadium and down in down in the Shire. So, but I just love the way Sharks bounce back. And, you know, the team rallied around, you know, there was talk about Nico Hines and how they let him down in Melbourne. And I just love that they stood up last night for him, whether it was for him or they just wanted to go back and play in their brand of footy. And we saw last night. But, you know, what? there's two players that I, that I like. Is their back rolls. Their back rolls go unnoticed and what they do. Like, they just stick to the lines. They, they run their lines perfectly each and every week. And they just go under the radar. Like there's not too much been said about them. They track players. They can ball play. And then you know when you bring old old Wadey Graham off the bench, well then he mm. adds that sort of craft that he has as well in the skills. So which he did last night. Yeah, he awesome. did. I like the ch- Sharky's chances, but again, it's playing those top those top four teams because because they'd all be aware of that record. And yeah. I think they've got to they've got to start treating these these teams against or these matches against the top top eight teams differently. So I think when they go to the Warriors, they've got to be, Fitzgibbon has got to be, right, this is a finals mentality game. Yeah. I want to see what you're made of here. We're going to we're going to treat this like a finals game. We, we win 16-10. You know, we're, we're not looking to blow them off the park. We've just got to, you know, obviously if opportunities present themselves, whatever, but I think there's a couple there. Warriors at South when they go to Perth, treat that like a, like a playoff game. You know, get some practice in. Gritty get, wins. Some, get some practice in, you know, take the two points on mm. offer. Yeah. You know, defend our way to victory. Different Beacon, mindset. You know, different different mindset than a than a league game. Just treat it like a like a playoff game. I think that's the the way that they can sort of get some practice in now. They're in a position they know they can they can score points against the lower teams, but that is a concern. And they'll they'll need that record to improve if they're going to cement a spot in the eight. You don't want to be going into finals not having beaten some of those teams around you. Where the flip side, Penrith of, uh, sorry, Melbourne have beaten everybody except I think the Raiders, who they haven't played yet. So that shows the difference in those two teams. I think with the Sharks, what they've been talking about, and you know we said it on here before, is the lapses in defense. You know if they can fix that up, like like they got to get those gritty wins, and you get those gritty wins, well then they got to get those lapses out of their games in defense because they go for um, 10, 15 minutes of, of those lapses even before halftime or straight after. Mm. It's just a concentration yeah. thing, isn't it? And you'd think with Fitzgibbon, who's such a defensive-minded coach, he set up the systems at the Roosters when they were really successful with defense. He'd be all over that. But um, it's uh, an interesting couple of months for Sharks and their fans if they're going to progress and play to their full potential. Uh, with player movement, lads, there's a lot of topics uh, or it's been hot topic rather. A lot of people are wondering what what it's like actually changing clubs. Gr, you've only <laughs> done it. The, the I only once. done it once. I was meant to go to Brisbane, but 
Good old Rusty and Chucky Mundane rang me up and get me down to Sydney. <laughs> so, <laughs> did I tell you this story? Nah. Nah. Um, we played the Bulldogs. Uh, this is when Brett Morley was playing. We played them in Adelaide. And we went over there and I said to, after the game, uh, I went up and asked Frank Panisi, who's a team manager at the time. I said, oh, mate, can, can I have a word with you and Craig? And Frank goes, oh, what's, what's it about? I said, oh, I think I'm going to you know, look towards moving um, out of here and go back to Brisbane. And Frank goes, oh, mate, you better go ask Craig on your own on that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, yeah, so my, my nuts dropped. <laughs> Did you have to move up because of the cap? Yeah, this is 20, 2010. Uh, well, I didn't have to move. I just felt like it was, um, you know, an opportunity for me to go back home and back to Brisbane. And But... <laughs> I remember it, it was in a hotel room. That, and that's not a good start, that, nah. is it? Like, that you're on your you're own. You're on your own. Like, when your team owner just goes, oh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Went and seen Craig, and Craig just looked at me and goes, nah, nah. Just walked out the door and, yeah, yeah. Didn't even entertain it. Nah, and I don't think he, he even signed the papers for, for the transfer, so I don't think he still has. Did you, ha- <laughs> did you have years left on your contract? And, uh, yeah, yeah, I was, I was still down there until 2013, I, I believe it was. And what year was that? 2010? 2010. So how, how, how did it eventually? I so, think so, I th- so Storm were off you going to Brisbane? No, just Craig. Oh, just, <laughs> just but, Craig. but was it just Brisbane they didn't want you to go or? No, no, I think Craig, oh, the thing is with, with Craig and I, like we got that sort of like a father's son, but more of a tough loving uncle <laughs> than anything. <laughs> so, you know, uh, you know that uncle that comes around, you know, it's like, oh, you know, we're going to have fun, but mm. you do as I tell you. To do. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But yeah, I, I don't think Craig still has, still hasn't signed those papers. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> who signed them then, Frank? Um, I think Frankie and, and the board. At, but yeah, Craig's just walking around. Like, yeah, Craig. Craig's been away a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should get him back. <laughs> and anyway, I went up to Brisbane, went and did the. Um, actually, I was in there doing physio and all that there stuff, and then Rusty rings up. First of all, Chuck Mundine rings, rings me and goes, oh, I've come down to South. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that keen on it. Not, not that keen on coming to Sydney. At the same time, uh, JT rang me up, Johnny Thurston, and asked me to go out there and be his number six. And this is when I was a bit lighter. <laughs> this is when I was lighter and skinnier. That would have been, <laughs> that been crazy. Yeah. And I said, no, nah, no, nah, it's too hot. <laughs> and <laughs> it was too hot. And he had, they had... Um, Billy Johnson, the trainer up there at the time, and he was ruthless, man. Old school, old school boxing coach. He was at the dogs for a bit before he went up there as trainer. I had him in Origin Camp and yeah, I was getting no good. Those three those three weeks of that that period of origin, it was hell for me, for him from him. And then he goes, Chuck goes, Oh yeah, Rusty's gonna ring you up. And I said, Oh, okay. And he's like, I think he was talking shit. And he rings me up. He goes, hey, he puts his Russell Crowe voice on and he goes, hey, it's uh, Russell Crowe, yeah? And I said, bullshit, hung up. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is just a lie. Rang back second time, hung up again. I said, mate, stop stop prank calling me. It's like, I don't I don't want to hear it. Chuck rings me back and goes, oi, bro, you better, you better answer that phone. It is Russell. <laughs> I said, nah. So rang up the third, rings me up the third time and I go, all right. Flew me down here to Sydney, he showed me around and, you know, people think that these um, big A-list celebrities buy clubs just for the just for the fame and that. But Russell, my deal with Russell, he just loves the club. He loves the league. And I could see that and hear it in his voice. Not his gladiator voice, but his, <laughs> his normal voice. Anyway, so, yeah, he's got me around here. He stayed down here for about uh, a week or, week or two. And then 
went back to Brizzy and I said, oh, I'm going to head down here. At this time, I didn't sign any contract or any paperwork with Brisbane. And I've been at South and stayed there. So, yeah, that's my little transferring window. That One, Craig didn't sign the papers. <laughs> Two, I, did, I didn't sign any papers with Brisbane and then three, I ended up here at South. But, yeah. Hung up on Russell <laughs> twice. I've got, I've not many people can say that. <laughs> no, yeah. They, they Mate, on. yeah, yeah. Just brushing Russell Crowe. I've got a great idea for, like, to, <laughs> if, you, if you want to disrupt South Sydney's season, get a deep fake Russell Crowe. <laughs> you can type in, you know, through AI. Get, yeah. Call Latrell Mitchell and just play <laughs> Russell Crowe's voice, just saying, like, slagging off Latrell, saying, like, mate, you're done here. <laughs> like, you're gone. Like, you call Cookie up as well, pretending to be Russell Crowe. Mate, you could just disrupt South Sydney's season. Like you, you want me to do this? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> there's one of the cons to having a celebrity owner. So you can get deep fake access to their voices where, you know, the people that own all the other football clubs, you, would, you wouldn't be able yeah. to get deep wouldn't fakes. So rich people. Yeah, how about you? <laughs> yeah, just deep fakes of random rich people. Uh, Colin, how about you? What, how's your experience been when, when you've switched clubs? Yeah, so when I moved first time to Newcastle... It was pretty, yeah, like I was really young, so I can't really remember it, but I remember like the Roosters originally, they didn't want me to go. And then eventually they let me go. And I think that was the year that Cooper Cronk came. So maybe they had an inkling that Cooper Cronk was coming. So they're like, you can, yeah, see ya. <laughs> you can go. But um, the one when I moved from Newcastle back to the Roosters was actually hard. Eh? It was one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make. I think, firstly, we're in the bubble. I was living with all the Knights boys and then the Roosters were also living in the same resort as us. Wow. So that was initially weird. But then not having like any family or friends away from footy to actually talk to in person about it was really hard as well. So just like calling everyone, trying to get advice and then, you know, you'd be talking about potentially leaving the uh, Knights and you'd walk out and you'd see like Denny Badiris and like Adam and they're like, mate, what's going on? Are we getting this contract sorted? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a tough sort of like period there just trying to really make the right decision and yeah, just thinking a lot about it and then like couldn't really, you know, go and talk to like, – because me and Kaylin lived together but I couldn't really go and like confide in him and be like, mate, I'm thinking about sort of leaving and – get like a opinion where he didn't want me to stay, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that was sort of tough. And then I think I knew when it was going to happen, but then the club, then I played my hundredth game and the club, the Knights had sort of done like this big celebration for my hundredth game. And like, <laughs> yeah, it was really weird because <laughs> in my head, I knew like a week later, I was about to tell everyone that was, doing such a great job of like celebrating my hundredth game that I was <laughs> I was leaving. So it was a yeah, it was a really weird place. And then uh awkward. yeah. It was awkward. <laughs> it was awkward. And then so once I knew I sort of went and grabbed Adzi in the morning, told him, and then had to basically get all the leadership boys in and tell them that yeah, I was gonna go. But I mean like the difference, I remember like leaving the Roosters, I didn't have, like have to say anything to anyone, but Adzi had like a sort of thing in Newcastle, you know, like whether you were re-signing or you were leaving, you had to get up in front and tell the boys. Yeah. Yeah, which was like, so I had to then tell the whole club, but it was, it was helped by that same day Josh King had signed with the Storm. 
So we both got up together. Oh, yeah. yeah. And we're like, yeah, I'm sorry, boys. I'm going to the Roosters. Like, yeah, sorry, love boys. Yous. I'm going to the storm. Yeah. <laughs> and then he did the same thing. Yeah. So it made, it made me feel a little bit less. Yeah. It's such a weird thing, isn't it? Because you you spend more time with these people than you do your own family. Like you're in the trenches with them. You get to know these people inside out. And then like all of a sudden it just stops. It's over. Yeah. And like you, you do keep in touch with you know, one or two, but, you know, you go from sharing everything to then, oh, you see them around and it's like you, you get a new group of mates and it's... Share nice baths, bath, showers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, then... <laughs> coffees every day. Yeah, yeah. Just general chit-chat. Like, it's just the... It's just life, isn't it? But yeah. Get your, get your morning routine, your yeah. morning car rides, and then... Mm. Sorry, boys, I'm out. Yeah, I'm <laughs> out. And you move on. And, and you're living in the same resort. Yeah, literally living in the same resort. So I remember that, that would have been hilarious. Go, trying to do like a private phone call, like living with the play, living mm. with all the players, just being like, "What are you doing over there?" Because you know, it just looked. I reckon you'd try and hide it, but it looked so obvious. Oh, hundred percent. It's obvious who you. They knew. About. Yeah, they knew what I, I was up to, and like, I went over and had like a meeting with Robbo one day because like he had a where he was staying sort of a lounge room and stuff. And like, we just sat down and, and, and chatted about it. And then I remember getting a call off someone and they're like, someone seen you going over to chat to Robbo. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> like it was just the weirdest thing. <laughs> After that, I was like, mate, I'm going to have to walk around with a hoodie on. <laughs> if it, it, I'm going it, to chat to it, people. It's like, bad when there's like speculation around you, your potential movement. And happen to like the whispers go almost on. like the elephant in the room, and you're like, everyone knows, and everyone's looking at and me. Everyone's <laughs> like, can you just let us know? I like when I left the, the the Bulldogs, I hadn't told everyone yet, but it was pretty obvious I was I was going, I was being forced out. But then when I told that I hadn't, I wasn't going to say anything official till I'd signed. So I'd signed at the Dragons, played the last my last game for the Bulldogs was against the Dragons, and actually knocked them out of playoffs. Um, which was weird. And then, you know, we're about to go on Mad Monday, but before we, you know, we finished the season, Des invited me up as captain to address the group and, you know, explain, explain the news. And, oh man, I was, I was like a waterworks. I could see like, you, you know, I can remember looking at the, um, the gear steward, Fred Seraldo, and yeah. he, he went first and I was like, oh, Fred, you can't do that. He started to cry and I was like, whoa, can't do that. Like, mate, I'm gone now. Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> gone. I'm committed. Of course, I, like, so he's going and I'm like, I'm just letting everyone. Like, Wasn't there um speculations before that there? Yeah, the yeah. Circling is around. Yeah, uh, yeah there, was, there was speculation. Was the media in that? We are talking yeah. about it the other week, yeah, didn't we? Like, yeah, like, well, apart, I was going to the Dragons before I even yeah. knew I was going to the Dragons. But, <laughs> That's right, um, yeah. Yeah, it was, and you know, it was, it was being talked about, but I didn't want to say anything until it was official and, I think I I told a, a couple of uh, teammates that I was closer to personally be, before I before I announced it. Yeah. I think that was at the captain's run the day before. But yeah, wait till after the game to address the group. But yeah, I'll never forget seeing Fred Seraldo. He, he started to go, and I was like, mate, you you set me you can't off do now. that, mate. You can't you can't go first, <laughs> like. <clears throat> and then yeah, lots of hugs, and then it's, it's weird because yeah, you, you're with those people for so long. Your first day of preseason is different, and then. Yeah, it's a whole new group of friends, isn't it? But so with that, there you like I was saying with me, I had a chat with really close mates of mine down down in Melbourne when I was told them that, and you 
said that you did too. Did you or you just couldn't at that time? No. Like you just said with KP, you even though you're living with him, you couldn't actually go tell him about it. And you couldn't reach out. So was you talking like the family members, your partner? Yeah, I was talking to like my mum, yeah, dad, brother, and then sort of the, the guy who was helping me mm. do the deal. And then just like some different mentors that I had were giving me advice. But I can remember I, uh, telling the boys, because this is when we had the, we were doing the 257 podcast. It was like me, Kalen, and Matt Croker. And we just recorded an episode and I'd made up my mind. And then I was like, oh, boys, I need to tell you something. <laughs> and like, so we're in my room, told them, and we just all like sat there for an hour and no one really said that was anything. <laughs> it was so weird. Mm. Yeah, we were all just like, uh, they're like, oh, Shit. Yeah. That whole <laughs> like, yeah, that whole sorry, ex- boys. That whole experience for you must have been shit. Yeah. <laughs> Awful, <what>? awkward. <laughs> well, I just felt really isolated because yeah, I I knew the decision that I was gonna make, but then I was yeah, I was living with these people. Yeah. And like Danny Baderis is the one of the world's best blokes. Yeah. yeah. And he he was living two doors up. Like I was I'm so I was so tight with like beds mm. and his family was there and like going around there and having a cup of tea every night, like all of these things. And he's like, mate, we want you to stay. And then, yeah, telling him was hard. Telling Adzi was hard because I loved playing under Adzi. And, yeah, it was just weird because I didn't have the proper, like, personal, yeah, physical support. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know you know what's weird? Just that's uh, jogged my memory a little bit of when teammates have told me that they're going. And <laughs> yeah. just being like, oh, no. What do you mean? Like, I, I remember... Gareth Widdop in particular, yep. me and him were really close and I kind of knew it was coming, but I, I was like really adamant, like trying to get him to stay. I was like, guys, I think you should stay. Like, I, I think you're making a mistake. Like, I was telling him how rubbish England is. Like, <laughs> you, mate, you can't go. And he was like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't tell me before he told the group. And then we finished a training session and Mary McGregor's just gone, oh, um, lads, Gaz just, Gaz would have just wants to speak to you. And I've seen Gaz like sort of start to choke and I've just got, oh no. <laughs> like I've just been like, I, like I've like just gone, this nah. is like, no. not having like it. I'm dead, I'm like heads de- like not sad, like just gutted that he's going. Yeah. Like I can't believe it. Mm. Like I was, I was devastated. Yeah. Absolutely gutted that he was going. My one that's stuck in my mind is Jason Clark. When he said that South didn't want him and they couldn't resign him, so he went overseas and, and played. Man, I just I was a bit like that there going, No, no, this ain't happening. Mm. This is denial. This is yeah, not happening. Not <laughs> yeah. this can't happen. Yeah. Like one of the nicest guys yeah. you'll ever come across. Like but it's like, nah, not happening, not not having this here. It, it's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you it's, can't do this to him. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the emotion. Sign a you, petition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy that, that emotional attachment, attachment yeah. that you have for others. I, I think the more that you're in the game, the more you become accustomed to it. So when the coach says, this player wants to speak to the group, you're like, you're like oh, nah. no. You know. And then so, sometimes you might be like, I'm not going to mention any names, but, but a certain player was like, oh, I just want to address the, address the group. You're like, want me to open the going? door? <laughs> yes. I'll open, I'll open the door. <laughs> Do you want me to book you an Uber? <laughs> nah, only joking. All right, that's a good spot to take a break anyway. We'll be back after this. 
Hello and welcome back to Footy Talk. I'm James Graham with Greg Inglis and Connor Watson. Uh, now we've got a new segment of the show. We've got some questions from our listeners. I've got one first uh, to Connor from Kate Disher. When will you be back playing? We need you. Ooh, I feel like I get asked this every day. Different people, I see, I see them. Um, well, Kate Disher wants to know, so. Yeah. Kate, I don't actually know at the moment. I was, like initially, I would spoke to you guys about this. I was hoping for around 20 thinking that, you know, this was just going to be a black and white six-month sort of recovery. And then as I've progressed more and more, I've started to realize that my tendon will be sweet at six months, so that is fine. Um, but it's just the rest of, like, my leg, keeping it straight for eight weeks, the muscle atrophy, so trying to get the strength back. And then the swelling that just comes with mm. getting your knee used to the load and stuff again. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been – Speaking to some people who have had done the same injury, like Matt Ikevalu was one at Cronulla and Izzy Parisi from the Waratahs Wallabies played at Brisbane a couple of years ago and um, like Braden Burns did his yeah. as well a couple of years. I think he was at South when he did yeah. his. And uh, like just the timelines from all these guys are varying, you know, like uh, Matt was back in around seven months, Izzy was around eight and then Braden was like 11 months. So they took ages with his. So... Yeah, it's not really like a clear-cut date, which I had set because I'd been told that, you know, six months you, your tendon will be fine to play. So that's when I was hoping to, which is sort of round 20, but I don't think I'm going to be back in round 20. I think it'll be more, yeah, a little bit later than that, but I'm still like the plan is to be back this year and get back before the finals. So I can't actually give you a, yeah. a clear date, which is frustrating for me as well as like for other people that are, that are asking because – I want to know when I'm back. Like, I want to be back, but it's just not you the You want a finish line? Yes. Uh, and I fin mate, the advantage of having a finish line, so good psychologically, and the frustrating side for you, Connor, is you, you don't have that yet. And mm. it's difficult to not have something to aim for. Yeah. Like, the aim is general, full recovery, but there's no timeline, which is incredibly frustrating for you. Yeah. Like, I, obviously, Brian Pappenhausen's like a really exaggerated example of it. You know, he's knee is like that would be so hard for him he because he's now 11 going on 12 months like going on a year for when he's mm. done his and he's just sort of working to no timeline it's about getting the strength back in my quad which i think he's sort of going through the same thing so yeah i gave myself a deadline for seven months and coming to six months i was like almost be ready to play and then before seven months it just went back like almost a month and a half so yeah you know, they're just the injuries that you can't take for granted, you know. Mm. It's it's that type of injury where you just, even though it's your lower legs and it's your knee, that's where your most loads go. Yeah. So, you know, everything happens around the knee and you just got to take your time with, yeah. with it. Don't do what I did and try and rush back <laughs> because it, it'll happen. Mm. It'll just, um, just be patient with it. Yeah. All right, you two have got Thank some you. questions as well. I've got one for you, Greggy, from Martin G., did you always think Billy would be the one from the big three to go into coaching and kill it? Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. Without a doubt. Wouldn't cross my mind. I think what helped, what, what helped Bill was early in his career, he was out with a groin injury, I think. Yeah, I think he had two, two groin ops. And what he did then was he went into video to keep his mind busy. He went and did video with Craig, went into video with the coaches, just did his homework. And, you know, it's obviously <laughs> paid off because – you know, it's not like he can read a game or anything at fullback. But, yeah, I, I think I think with Bill, you know, after that game one, 
I know for certain he would have been sitting in the shed with his notebook thinking how they, how can they improve. You know, even though they won game one, he would have been sitting there writing down in his notes, how can they improve for game two. You know, that's just the way Billy is. And, you know, people talk about being professional and being prepared and everything that there. He just, he takes that to the next level. He takes that, like he's looking for that smallest of margins, how, how to improve. And his game speaks for himself, the way he played the game. I don't think too many kickers, doesn't matter how good kicker you are, can, you know, get past Bill or, you know, he'll catch it on the full. So he just knew if it goes this way, he may kick it off his right, may kick it off his left. If there's a broken play, well, then, you know, he's already, already there in defensive line. So, no, I, I knew some way if he wanted to go in coaching, he would be the he would be the one. I, I think the others would, like Cooper and Cam, I think they're more of a specialist, specialist um, coaches, you know, with... Cam being in, in the forwards and Cooper around the halves and and that team team giving them cues how to improve their game. But with Bill, he looks at the overall because he understands, you know, what a left or, or a winger or center should be doing and where he wants his back rolls on a on a shape and you know he just pushes them around, directs them. But yeah, it's um, Bill was going coaching, which he is. Yeah, he, he would have been the been the one. How about you, Gray? What questions have you got for us? This is for you, Jimmy, from Ben Rigney. You've achieved so much in the game. If you played Origin, are you New South Wales? I'm no one because I'm English. <laughs> Couldn't play for either. Couldn't play for either? No. But if you did, if you was to choose. You don't care? Do it well. It'd be depend where I was born or if grew you, up. If you, Actually, I'm I, well. Or does it, Greg? <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, of course it doesn't. No, it, of course it where, does. Where, if you was playing, if you, all right, say WA. You, you were born in WA, and you had the opportunity to come over here and play, and they gave you what they did to me: piece of paper, and they say tick one. Ooh, that's a great question. Sorry, Benny. Um, just one bit left field. Yeah, I'd probably go in New South Wales. Because that's a that's who right, I that's all you know. Uh, that's well, it's where I live yeah. now. I've got no real rationale nah. for. There's no real explanation. I can tell that you don't haven't gave, given much thought to it. No, nah. nah. <laughs> nah. As long as I could pl- still play for England, I probably yeah. didn't care. Wouldn't Give me thirty grand a game. Be a mercenary. Whoever the hi- uh, whoever the highest bidder is. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, okay, we can get you over the line with you know slab of forex or a slab of VB. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, we're on. What would you rather, forex or VB? Ooh. Forex. Yeah, probably Forex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any more questions? Got I've got it? actually one more. Right. It's for myself though. Oh, okay. Oh. So it's from Luke Playdon. And it's, uh, would you rather tackle GI in his prime or Jim at his angry best running off the back fence? That's a good question. That, that's an easy question. Yeah. I actually was speaking to, oh, I can't remember who it was the other day, but we're talking about you, Greggy, back when you first came to South. Mm. Um, someone who would have been playing against her and just like how hard it was to tackle you. I've got to, sorry, Jim, I've got to go with yeah, oh, Greggy, mate. mate. I'll just, yeah. oh, no, you'd rather tackle me. Yeah, I'd rather yeah, tackle you. 100%. Yeah. Mate, yeah. It, it, what a stupid question that is. <laughs> like, are you actually joking? This guy. Yeah. Like, spiders. Nah. Nah. Just played the game. Yeah, I know. I, I know that's what you tackled. did. I know that's what you did. You did it very well. Okay, we used to play um, on the front yard. And sometimes we'll go onto the um, onto the road. <laughs> so there was a couple of scars. I think when I played, it was I think the 
Ray got back into my mind. I was like, hey, I'm not getting touched. <laughs> mm, mate, that's a great mentality to have. But I reckon that just about wraps us up. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Footy Talk. We'll catch you next week.